0: Welcome to the Skillset Podcast, brought to you by the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina and Publishers Weekly. I'm David Lankis, Professor and Director of the school. Sue Kowalski, Library Media Specialist at the Pine Grove Middle School in East Syracuse, New York, knows a lot about connecting to her students. Pine Grove Middle School Library received the AASL National School Library Program of the Year in 2012. That same year, Kowalski received I Love My Librarian Honors from the ALA Carnegie Foundation. She was recognized as a mover and shaker by Library Journal in 2016. All of these accolades around her vision of a library as a place co-owned by students and the librarian as a vital instructional partner with teachers. As you'll hear in the first half of the conversation, she is a relentless innovator and had experience of running a school library without a physical space long before the pandemic hit. However, Sue is also very much coming to terms with serving a community in a pandemic. She's wrestling with the fact that as a librarian, she needs the community of her students as much as they do. And that virtual schooling and the stress it puts upon learners can make the vital connection beyond the curriculum nearly impossible. Kowalski, I sort of begin every podcast by asking the same question: How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I had an exceptionally wonderful day today with a lot of breakthroughs, so I'm feeling good today.
0: Very good, very good. So we're talking, um, we're talking a lot about how libraries are responding and shaping and working with communities in a pandemic time. Um, but actually, before we jump into that, I want to back up a little bit. Um, you certainly come from a unique perspective. Uh, Coming from the school library environment, sort of seeing what it's like to support um, students as well as teachers in this environment. But you, I want to jump back a couple of years um, Mm -hmm. because you have a sort of unique perspective on this. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about uh, the the, the rehab of your building and of the library RV? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, Miss Lindy. Uh, yes, I'd be glad to tell that story because that thinking has kind of shaped my highs and lows of the last uh, few months. So, um, yeah, my name is Sue. I'm a middle school librarian in East Syracuse, Manoa, and I've been here about uh 14, 15 years. Um, and it's about uh, I don't even know the date. Let's say five years ago, our building was undergoing a planned renovation, um, meaning that you know, it wasn't anything because of a disaster or anything awful. It was very planned. Um, I'd like to say everything was worked out, but not necessarily. Um, but anyways, our the plan of our middle school, which houses grades six, seventh, and eighth, about uh, give or take seven hundred and fifty kids, we were all being relocated to um uh grade level locations for two years. That was the plan. And um Imagine being the superintendent and principals during that. So uh, our sixth graders were going to stay at their elementary school. So it was just some shuffling of rooms and relocating and um, that kind of thing. So rather seamless for the fifth Um, incoming sixth graders. Our seventh graders were taking over a, oh, that sounds awful, taking over. They were going to be um, moving into a a school that was uh, previously a Catholic school, vacant Catholic school in our community at very small. And I'll add that to my uh, story. And our eighth graders were going to the high school a year early um, to take over, (laughs) again, take over, to move into a wing at the high school. So if you can imagine all the displacement and um, trickle down, trickle up over effects that that had, um, you're you're not losing your mind. And it was for two years Um, and it was, you know, packing up. Nobody likes to do that. Moving is, you know, at the top of the stressful things, along with disease and death and divorce and all those those tough times. Um so we, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in pandemic, we got to add that now. So, um, I don't know. We did like everybody did. We packed up and like the Grinch, took everything down to the last pencil sharpener and rubber band and um, tried to strategically, I still giggle, consolidate all our library resources. And my initial frustration was that, oh my God, nobody's even telling the library what we're gonna do. Nobody's even—they all forgot about me. And then um, what we've we've been left out of the conversation. And then finally, some wise friends said, you know what? Perhaps they trust you to embrace the situation and stop asking and just do. So I said. And one of my crazy days, I said, you know what? This will be a great time to live out my bucket list of having a bookmobile. So I'm not sure I'd recommend this order of events because it's not necessarily going to work in every situation. So first thing I did was chat with my husband about um, how about we buy a bus. He always liked the Partridge family. I thought this would be his bucket list. Evidently, it was not. Um, I had some award money that I had won from a... Another thing personal money so I was like from a library award so I thought I felt the need to reinvest this money and said library business so he talked me down from a bus which he knew I couldn't drive and probably wouldn't use wisely to a RV Uh, 1989 to be specific uh, at the time that was 25 years old a 1989 RV and um, he found one that was in good shape thought it would be good to um, store books and drive from school to school. So I came up with a plan. We actually went and purchased the RV, complete with its mauve interior and oak cabinets and all its paneled glory. Um, And then I went to the powers that be with my plan. Again, not necessarily a recommended protocols, but I went to advocate for just permission to do this. Um, there were some little complicated things with insurance and that kind of thing, but fast forward, it all worked out and I got the asterisk approval to do so legally with the promise that it would only be during these, um, two years and that this wasn't going to be a forever (laughs) commitment by the district. I also had to agree to that. It was, you know, I was not transporting kids in it, which was not my plan anyways, and that, um. The places where I parked it, you know, there had to be kind of keep it in check with the police department and whatnot. And, you know, I had to be responsible for obvious reasons. So um, honestly, it was one of the happiest things I ever did. So I uh, consolidated our very large collection, did a lot of weeding, which, you know, moving does that to us, and um, felt like I picked strategically what needed to go into our satellite libraries in these now... Let's see, for elementary, one, seven, one, eight, to about 10 locations. Um, but on the flip side, the uh, most, all except the seventh graders had access to a school library. So it was really more just kind of, um, accommodating seventh grade so i parked my rv and we named her miss lindy because that's what the previous owner called her and he cried when we he sold her so i felt like i said what did you name her and i had had this huge contest about what we would name it and then i saw that he called her miss listen to me i talk about her that way but he called her miss lindy so i lied to the children, which sometimes you have to do to carry on. And I said, legally, you can't change the name of it after (laughs) you buy it. So um, the kid who picked the very clever name for the contest, I gave him the prize anyways, but I said, great idea, but we're not going to use your idea. And we're going to call her Miss Lindy. So Miss Lindy became part of the parking lot. She became part of special events. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. You remember the winning name? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think it was like books to go or right. books books on wheels. You know, it was it was adequate and I thought creative, <laughs> but had nice little logo he came up with. But um so Miss Lindy, I think we still use the logo perhaps, but um so yeah, so I made Miss Lindy my um portable library and um kept her at the seventh grade location which when you get to the good thing about building relationships as a librarian is that you get to know people and the family that lived right across from where I parked. Um, so, you know, I've had the students and or I've had the the children which are now all getting older, but, and, um, the mom was one of our employees. So I parked it in a way that they could keep an eye on it from their kitchen. So (laughs) there, there we, there we have RV security, right? Um, so yeah, so I used that and it was certainly in Syracuse, Central New York, limited season. It wasn't there year round. Um, we had outdoor library events with it. I you know, ended up accumulating a lot of lawn chairs and those foam squares and things that we could all share back in the pre-COVID days. Um, so I would pull up somewhere, set up an outdoor library day. Um, you know distribute or check out books a lot of uh yellow legal pads and uh handwritten checkouts because internet sometimes didn't work outside the buildings and so on so um yeah it was a rather low tech high interest uh event and um it 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 really was very very satisfying it was not perfect we didn't have it all figured out there was a lot of lack of accountability for the books, not the children, but um, you know, books. I had a lot of post-it note kind of transactions. But what I did realize, and I also had a base camp in one of the buildings that was about the size of the front of the RV, a little, little tiny room um, in the um, the building that the seventh graders lived in, and really small. Like I had one stand-up um, podium and three stools. That was and we could have at capacity for students. So we actually had a physical space and then we had the RV and I went all over the place and um, it was wonderful. It was just uh, different and wonderful. I don't think sustainable, quite honestly, the way we did it in terms of like, how long can this go on? Plus with an 89 RV, you got that. Um, But what happened? So now we come back after two years to this gorgeous, brand new, state-of-the-art classic uh, school and library, and there were our students who had been part of the Miss Lindy era who came back in and said, aren't you going to miss it? And that was when I realized um, the kids who were connected didn't connect to the physical space. Mm. Um, They connected to things that were memorable, In fact, the group that's graduating this year, this year's seniors, and those, you know, they got gypped out of last spring and probably going to have an alternative year this year. And there's been reference to the fact this was also the group that got gypped out of. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't get gypped out of having. They're also the only group that had the bookmobile. So um, they could look at it either way. So... um, but I didn't think of it at the time. I At the time, I thought of it as just a solution and really kind of selfishly a bucket list thing for me and something different and why not? What do I got to lose? I'm not a sit around and watch things happen person. And again, by no means what is, is it perfect. But we had banners and we got a lot of nice press and we did, we did stuff the RV when we were collecting things and we did... Um, you know, aligned it with field days and those kinds of things. We went to special events and um, I say we, I mean me and Miss Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, it worked, you know, and back we come into the, the brand new space, which was just stellar and beautiful. And I had some much voice and how it was going to be and packed up and had actual bookshelves and things in order and a computer to check things out. And there were kids that were feeling the void. And that's when I, a lot of me realized that they really, and I'm 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 generalizing, they meaning kids, customers, students, they didn't care about the beautiful space. I mm. think more adults were excited about the beautiful space, and kind of aren't you glad to be done with that? And um, I I saw actually a little bit of a feeling of loss. We had some great opportunities in this alternative setups, um, dysfunctional as it was, and um, I think because it was a two-year craziness, the first year was painful and people were struggling and how do we do this and there's no place to go here and there's not enough room for this and we gotta share this, Um, and then year two, I think my colleagues and I, you know, there were opportunities that we didn't have in the traditional setup. So, there was a little bit of grieving coming back to this brand new building where people are like, oh man, I'm gonna miss that. So, um, classrooms and and libraries and, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about libraries today, but it was very eye-opening to me because the kids that would seek to come to that little space or seek to come outside to be a part of Miss Lindy's events, that wasn't because of the RV. There was nothing about it that was attractive to look at. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't very like, oh, cool. Look, you can push a button and a bed opens. Like, no, it was really just kind of a backdrop to conversation and a backdrop to, I don't know, fun seizing opportunity. I'm not sure which way to go with it, but. Um,
0: well, you told, it was, you told me the story. You told me a story about Miss Lindsay in a football game breaking down. Yeah. And some community help coming to the rescue
1: oh yeah I did I had and again I had worked at the elementary one of the elementary schools in the district so you know and the beautiful thing about a district that isn't crazy crazy large is that there's some students now that I've had you know kindergarten to eighth grade so there's some that I've crossed you know that over time connection with and you Same with colleagues and family members and brothers and sisters, you know, and you just develop a nice connection. And, yeah, I did have a a breakdown in one of the school parking lots on between events. And, um, you know, one kid, I don't know, I don't even know if they were, you know, somehow he got a hold of his dad and uh, his dad came over and then somebody else came over. So, you know, I just felt like there there were always people that were looking out for Miss Lindy. Um, (laughs) There was you know, the neighbor that would watch where I would park, if I had to go out of town, I'd let her know, you know, police officer, you know, local police knew what was going on. So I don't know. I just felt like it was an embraced situation and um, it didn't cause anybody any major grief, I don't believe, other than um, I don't think our superintendent, who's amazing, would have been thrilled to see this 1989 RV parked in front of, um, this brand new building. It really looked exactly like the Breaking Bad um, RV. So, so that'll give you an indication of, uh, it's, it's glory. But, um, but yeah, so I just think people remember it and had fun with it and made the best of it and very seldom were kids even in it. It was just kind of like a moving library concept, um, you know, where I would pull up and, Pull out things and and it was a lot of work, it really was because it was loading and unloading and schlepping and and moving and writing things down and pretending I had an accurate count of the books but um, in the long run it was a valuable connection I think and a, I think it just symbolized like you know what, let's try something different. We can't fight, you know, we're being closed for an amazing reason so first of all you can't complain. and. I think if I had a reputation of being short on vision, they probably, whoever would have made decisions, said, you know what, there's not going to be a library for this year, so we're going to assign you to fill in the blank. Um, And I think that was a gift that I was given, and I felt like it was up to me to to embrace it and do something different and get the community talking and involved, and I, I think we were successful at that. Even if they were talking and making fun of us.
0: (laughs) How did you support the teachers during that? I mean, because now your teachers are also distributed around the district.
1: Yeah, honestly, I hate to say it. I worked more with teachers because I, and again, I don't want this to like backfire, but because I didn't have a space or facility or administrative. I mean, I let's be honest. I couldn't do ILL. I couldn't do programming. I didn't have to host any baby showers. Like there were so many things. There was there were no, there was no study hall coming, so I didn't have a space. So in the time where I wasn't doing my library visits, classes, events across the district, I mean, I had time for. I had to push into classrooms, so it wasn't even an option. Like my your place or mine, it was like I don't have a place. So. <laughs> Can I come play with you? So I think the collaboration was a little more organic because nobody thought twice if I just, you know, came in with my bag and parked in the back of a classroom. And um, and I, I just think it was a, a natural um, collaborative time. Again, I had had connections. So perhaps had I been a new person and out of the gate, that might have been a more challenging Like, you know, where do I go? Who do I work with? How does this all work? Um, But, you know, I got to see different things in progress in four to five different, six different locations. Um, And there were some I worked with more than others, which I think is just the nature of the beast. But, um, you know, I would go from one elementary to another and say, oh, my God, you know what I just saw those guys doing. And then, you know, just visually being embedded. I think it was more like. And in the off se- in the season when it was nice, I was a rolling librarian, and then when the weather changed, I was an embedded librarian. So <laughs> it was almost like a sabbatical of a different kind because I thought I've never tried this kind of librarianship. So um, it was different, and it was a shift when I came back into our own space, you know, my own space, and. Now, what do I do now it seems weird if I just go sit in the back of somebody's classroom like before they felt bad for me because I had no home and now it's like <laughs> what do you, what are you doing here and now and now I won't even talk about present day no, nobody goes anywhere but
0: so It'd yeah, so that's probably a
1: long answer to your short question, but it's been uh, something that not only happy memory but really in in all seriousness, the reflective part of that journey and what it taught me and and more recently, I really had to remind myself of that time because the last couple of weeks where I've been feeling like little sorry for myself, like, well, what do I do now? I can't do this, and how about this? And what was me? I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Get, get your, you know, I won't use the expression, but get yourself together and uh, figure it out. Like you figured it out before when you didn't have a library, like why is this so difficult for you, you know, so. I think maybe all of us or I'll speak for myself. I go through ebbs and flows of I got this and like oh my god I'm I I don't even know where to begin, you know. So I've had a little of the latter of late and I have to kind of get myself thinking about wait a minute. <laughs> there is a solution to all of this.
0: So did come did when you had your new space and new building, did it change what you did in that space or how you approached it?
1: I think I was in shock for a while because I was like first initially like isn't this beautiful and then I got annoyed at how much work it was you know pushing in chairs and putting up signs and putting books in order and it was it's a library stuff is a lot of work and um you know it's a big facility with a lot of furniture and a lot of breakout spaces and you know then the pressure for maker spaces and you know like oh my god it was exhausting cuz I thought I'm spending what I found was initially I was spending a lot of time on stuff, whereas the last two years prior, I was spending time on people and ideas and implementation. Mm. And that was a huge, because I'd always, my model before was people over stuff. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm here till six o'clock at night, every night. And I'm dealing with stuff. Like I'm not dealing with And I know there's the initial, I'm not afraid of hard work. I don't mean it that way, but it's like, oh my God, I got to unpack boxes and I got to put this up and then I got to have signage so kids know how to do this. And oh, where are we going to put the puzzle table? And where is this going to be? And how are they going to know this is graphic novel area? And so on. And then I thought, I am really immersing myself into things and I got to stop and I got to be okay with stuff being second to the people. And um, I I really had to be, like, even on my daily to-do list, I'd have to say, nope. Maybe those boxes won't get unpacked today, or maybe it doesn't matter if that shelf's in perfect order, and and who cares about this, you know? And then I really had to force myself into, like, okay, let it go, and and go be with people, and go get people in here, and um, and and I think because the majority of the people that were in the building were the same people that had been in this two-year journey, we all really, it was, we really struggled because Mm. we had all developed little different smaller school kind of mentality of, oh, we only have 150 kids in this building, and now we're over at this building, and now you've got kids who've been in elementary school K-6, and now they're Mm. coming in, and so I don't think it was just me that had to adjust, but we were all a little bit, like we felt like it was vacuous and cold and Mm. lacking community and um and i truly believe had we been part of the design team um knowing what we knew in these smaller spaces i think we would have a lot of different philosophies even on the physical layout of the building Mm. because what what helped us thrive in those dysfunctional spaces um uh Wasn't really present or isn't really present in our new beautiful space. Hmm. So it was it was really um, I almost feel like everybody should have to be a librarian without a library at some point
0: just to congratulations (laughs) Wish, (laughs) wish fulfilled.
1: Yeah, but I'm just thinking like I think sometimes that makes you think and I and I you know I don't want to wish on the people who have tragedies and their library burned down or there's a flood or you know like but something about it when things are safe and planned and you know <laughs> it, it, it was a game changer in my thinking and it's really taken me longer than I would like this fall to kind of remember what is important and how to hold true to the people over the stuff even though it's in a crazy setup um, and i've struggled more this time than i did then so i'm not, i'm not sure why but i know there's opportunities and i just got to re shuffle my brain to figure out the best way to seize those
0: and okay, so, um, so before we jump into the pandemic cuz i really want to hear one what what you're doing but you're also very connected in with the the school library community. So I know you have other views as well. But Mm -hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about that unboxing and the the, the stuff. Because one of the other things that you and I have talked about in the past, I think is is really powerful to share, the I-teams. And that is getting students very much involved with the stuff side that actually frees you up from some of that. And I know Mm -hmm. that's always a measure of degree. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what the goal was um, in terms of building community around yep. I-teams, what they are? What's yep. what
1: they are. Uh, one of the things like when I would get worked up with stuff and um, and not only me personally, but I would get annoyed hearing other librarians talk about, you know, they were there till nine o'clock at night because they had to put stickers on and take this off you know put stuff in envelopes i mean stuff we have to do don't get me wrong it's all important things but it's so much conversation about stuff and materials and stickers and shelves and reorganizing and genreifying and and we know the bottom line is the end user and we're doing things to make the end user have a more satisfactory more access more fill in the blank but i also know myself is very tempted and so are my colleagues to spend so much time on that that we don't have time for just opportunity that just comes our way. Like I'd like to help you, but I got to put these stickers on or something. I a couple of many years ago decided that I needed people. I needed people um, who were looking for something to do and that I could divide and conquer with. And um, personally, I you know everybody's always talking about volunteers and adult volunteers, and there's nothing wrong with that. Certainly, that's a great opportunity. But I really wanted to get engage the kids. And way back when when I started at the elementary school library. I had kids saying, "Do you need any help? Do you need any help?" You know, and I I can't lie. After a while, they got on my nerves. I was like, "Oh my God, no! I'm too busy. I can't get." And I was like, "Do you hear yourself? You're busy. You don't have time for things. You got kids at your ankles asking to help, and you're saying no." So um, probably started out with a little bit of that. Can you push the chairs in? Sharpen the pencils? You know, kind of the low level, chore-ish things. And then I don't know. One of those days, I had an aha moment. I was like, "Well, why don't they put the books on display?" And And somebody else can sharpen the pencils. Like, why am I putting so much, giving these kids who are ripe with ideas and honesty and um, enthusiasm, why don't I give them the high-level jobs um, and then let the other things, maybe the other things don't need to be done at all. So um, at the elementary school, I started a, a library ambassador program. And I know at that elementary school, a lot of my colleagues have similar programs of student-led groups, junior crew, and I staff, and um, all different names. The, the name is less of a concern than the, the program. But it's really just an opportunity, a genuine, authentic opportunity to get kids involved and have them do something that matters, something they're passionate about, something that's going to make a difference in the community, in the library community, in the school, um, and not just keep kids busy. You know, I know sometimes in libraries we get those um, can you keep Johnny for a little while because he's, you know, the air quotes come out and he's he's distracted or he says um, there's always those. But I'm thinking even if Johnny's distracted in the classroom, I'm guessing he could bring a lot to the table here.
0: We'll return to our interview in just a moment. First, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast, the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina. Interested in librarianship? then join a nationally ranked program with over a quarter century of experience educating leaders in the field online. From the State Library of Vermont to San Francisco to the Business Library of Oxford University, our graduates lead in schools, cities, and states around the U.S. and beyond. Now, let's get back to our interview.
1: So over the years, my program went from, you know, a few kids helping out when they were free to a formalized Excuse me. A formalized program where kids applied for jobs and became part of the um, became part of the staff. And again, title aside, logistics aside, concept being that get the kids involved, have them be a voice, have them be a, a, a powerful member of the community. Because everybody talks about advocacy, and we got to let parents know, we got to let teacher, you know, what's going on. The best advocates we can have are happy customers. Um, or customers with ideas or you know people that are coming in and like you know what I did today or you know what? I think we could do today or tomorrow um, So once I started doing that I was connecting with parents that I had never had a reason to connect with before which sounds terrible But you know, maybe their kid was wonderful And I I probably didn't think about calling them to say your kid is wonderful, which we all should do more often um, but then parents were calling and saying you know um, uh little amanda can't she can't come to work tomorrow because she's got a dentist appointment. She wanted me to tell you, and it could be Amanda worked from like eight a m to eight o five but <laughs> in amanda's mind, that was her shift, and she took it seriously enough for a parent to call and say she's not going to report to work today so once I started seeing that kind of commitment and that kind of seriousness attached to their volunteer time essentially, I knew that that was like non negotiable so over the last years um I've not stopped doing that, so we have, um, I happen to call our program iStaff and um, we have a study hall that we rebranded a couple years ago and we call it iLab, which is meant to be more of an independent lab time. So kind of same concept, different branding, to really get kids, get adults really actually to shift adult thinking to say, okay, if this is a time that is an unstructured academic time what lab or what hands-on activities can kids engage in that will fill them, you know, fill their soul, so to speak. So some kids might need to do math because they don't want to do it at home. Some kids might need to read. Some kids might need to volunteer in the library. So um, I I did. So I had kids apply and probably, I don't know, I tried to keep it no more than four per period working. just because you get too many and then there's a power struggle and they're not as special if they're a big gaggle either. They like to be independent. So really they became my, uh, this sounds corny, but they completed me. <laughs> so, um, I mean, they were my honesty. They were my, like, why would you do that? Let it look stupid. Like they were just, of course, teenagers, that's what they do, but they were just genuine and real and, um, passionate about things. And and of course, like any volunteer group, some were more self-directed than others. Some wanted projects, some wanted tasks, some wanted to, you know, be connected to me or an adult, you know, everybody. And you just got to know kids and like everybody's leadership style was different and there was no one size fits all. Um, so for years, that's what we've had. And we've had kids you know, come and go. Sometimes they come and this is their connection and then they find their wings for other things. Other times kids hang on for a couple years um, and keep coming back or talk their brothers and sisters into it. Um, so it's really been kind of a, just part of our culture. It's really evolved into, it's, I very seldom have to explain it to anybody because now it's really become part of our culture district-wide. So if I put out a advertisement for, you know, work in the library, you know, they have a frame of reference. Most of them are coming from places where this was also a part of their elementary school because that's something that's, you know, I'm very lucky to say we're all passionate about um, and have been able to make work. And I know it's still an important concept because when we do yearbook photos, you know, they call the group photos down, you know, girls softball come down, marching band come down, basketball team. There are kids (laughs) coming for the iStaff photo. Then I'm like, I don't, and then one kid said, well, I applied. I just didn't get hired yet. You know, <laughs> so he still wants to get in the picture. And sometimes I couldn't hire everybody because you know, the way school schedules work out, there's the busy times where, you know, every seventh grader has I staff second period and I can't get them all in. And, um, you know, and I'm a sucker. So it's hard for me to say, no, I got to let you go and give somebody else a chance. And, um, so there were some kids that in fairness applied and didn't. The rotation didn't come up for them to work or whatever or their schedule changed before I could get them in. So there's kids who are fighting to get in the yearbook photo to be a part of this group. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was in high school and the AV Club or the library club, that wasn't necessarily connected to status, (laughs) like people that were fighting to get in the yearbook photo. Um, And it's different kinds of kids. I mean, there's kids that are coming for all different motivations and um, we just, my main goal is to find out what it is that makes them tick and put them on that. You know, you got your organizer kids, you got your, I want to rearrange the shelf 12 time kids. And I really let it go. There were areas that I was like, I think we should do something with this area. And I'd let them, you decide what we should do with this area. You know, like, what do I care? You know, I saw a post the other night in a group I'm in, woman all completely just over the top, disgusted with, how messy the graphic novel section got, you know, and she was gonna tape it off until they learned how to keep it organized. And in my head, I'm thinking, I haven't put a graphic novel away, and we have a huge selection because it's, it's a big part of our culture here. I haven't put one away, I haven't organized a shelf, and not one customer has said, I can't find what I'm looking for, ever. And it looks like a, you know, a teenager's bedroom. It's not perfect, it's not, Alphabetical, numerical, and and nobody cares. Not one person cares how perfect those graphic novels are, um, and those are the things that I staff have taught me. Sometimes I staff want to show me something on the computer, so again, they they really keep me in check about what matters because I would often in my head think I don't have time to talk to all these kids because I got stuff to do. And then I'm thinking, okay, sounds really wrong that you don't have time to talk to kids who want to come to the library because you have business to do that has to do with the library. You know, like, I know there's a balance. I'm not saying, I mean, we all have things to do that are necessary. I'm not making light of our expectations, but I think sometimes I would get myself way over involved in things that, in the big picture, nobody cares, you know? I mean, what's important is instruction and connections and relationships. And, you know, you got some administrative tasks, you know, behind the scenes that again, nobody cares. Nobody cares what we're doing. They just want the books available and to get where they need to go and computers to work. And nobody cares what you're doing behind the scenes, you know, and um, and I think when I'm working with kids, that's what reminds me because they don't. I've never once heard him say, "Like I just wish there was more organization in the <laughs> science fiction section." You know, if we can find what they want, that's it. Like, and I want it to be a nice atmosphere that's healthy and attractive and not chaotic. But um, I, I, there's just things I stopped spending a lot of time with, and I think it was the not having a space. I think it was uh, spending more time with students who have ideas and really hearing their ideas. Um, And really up in my game with instruction. So with all those priorities, some of the stuff just had to be taken off the list. And I think that's why, honestly, uh, fast forward a little bit. This year with some kind of new schedules, it's harder to get students in a working capacity. I'm still trying to work through some things to make that happen. And I think that's what's making my brain hurt a little bit is that I'm spending a lot of time on stuff because, the kids aren't in here to um, remind me otherwise.
0: <laughs> so. so, so let's let's take that as a as a pivot point, right? So, so you've you've gone from a library program working really well to a distributed library program with an RV, <laughs> um, and throughout all of that, an increasing larger role for students in in the I staff, uh, and increasing um, partnership in terms of having the library organized like the kids that are using them, and not necessarily like someone. External would view it. And then it's March and 2020, and yeah. boom, you're going home. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's one of those abrupt pivots because that's what it was. So, what happened?
1: Yeah. So, last March, when we all know what happened in March of 2020, um, I went home kind of thinking it was going to be like a snow day for a week or two. And, um, do what i had to do and take a little breather um and i thought perfect i've got an established i staff you know kids that are already you know just chomping at the bit to be part of it i said this is great i'm going to create a oh i had if you could have seen the flyers i made they were stunning um to recruit like a a tech help support and a Every time somebody said, "How are we going to handle that?" I said, "I'll get a group of kids to do it. I'll get a group of kids to do that. I'll get a group of kids to do that." So I thought this is going to be, you know, pretty award-winning because all I need to do is tap into my crew. So I started with, you know, I we were going to do office hours. You know, I had big dreams. I had a logo in my head. I had shirts. You know, I had earbuds. Um, so I did all that, and then I reached out to said amazing leaders um, who were my you know, lifeline. And uh, they all said they were they couldn't do it. They had too much work that was coming to them. There was too much um too many assignments, too much screen time. Even my kids who probably their focus was not academics, um, who liked probably staff and working more than class, now I was losing those two in terms of uh heightened expectation i don't think it was more work i think it was just different format that was overwhelming for kids that for well who overwhelming for everybody who am i kidding but um i i had one student kind of my last not last resort but she was the last hanger on her. i was like madison i'm so proud of you i said i think you know this is going to show kids you know what an impact they can have in these, you know, tough times, virtual times. And she goes, I wish, because she had reached out to me and she said, I just have to tell you, I have to quit because uh-huh. I just, I can't do it. And, you know, my parents, you know, equally wonderful said that I got to spend my time on school and I can't, I can't do the extra stuff. And I was, you know, crushed because I thought oh my god these same kids that we just spent you know the week before had gone to Albany to do our advocacy for libraries and took a bus and spent 14 hours together talking about how we're going to change the world and continue to change the world and now they're all saying I can't I'm too busy mm-hmm. I'm sorry you know and I thought well I'll just give it a little time and see if they're and I I just never was able to write the ship in terms of getting them involved in a way that had merit and value and didn't put them over the edge. So, um, it made me sad because I thought they needed that, you know, and, um, you know, and then fast forwards at the end of the year was just, you know, all kinds of crazy. And, um, you know, we're still deploying information and I think everybody in teacher land will say, but at that point they already had relationships with kids. They knew the kids, they knew the families, they, it wasn't a new group, you know, so it was just kind of, Finishing out what we started in a crazy crazy way, um, you know and then whatever end of the year came, and I you know I tried to rally kids to do everything from tech help to um, you want to help me promote this contest or do you want to enter this contest you know I did a lot of spirit Week stuff and just things to add culture and community, which is what we always had done just now we were doing it different ways and um I don't know whether depression kicked in for everybody or anxiety or frustration, but it it just, you know, it was hard. I just couldn't rally the troops to do, um, to be part of that team Um, and despite my efforts, even with Battle of the Books and, you know, I had a lot of different groups in here, um, the gaming gamer group and, you know, the after school stuff. And even that, we tried to keep going for a while and just things really fizzled. I'd be lying if I said, oh, yeah, we were able to maintain everything. and We did mm-hmm. that. The one group that really wanted to maintain a connection was our gaming group, um, which was basically 40, 50 kids who came every week and really just broke off and they each did their own thing. It was more like a gaming open house. Some, you know, some brought their Switch, some brought their this, some brought that. That was more like that it was the gathering the humans that I think were more important than the providing because I never provided any games they just came and met so I couldn't therefore offer this and the last thing they I seemed like they wanted to do was get on zoom and after all day of probably zooming and talk about games and they were all doing their own thing I'm sure but so that group fizzled for a different reason and um I just, I was kind of like a fish out of water because I didn't know where to put my energy. I didn't know where to put, um you know, like what pressure to put on kids, you know, and I thought then there were kids who were not doing any work and I thought, is it up to me to rally them for a game group? It's going to put teachers over the edge. So I kind of slowly like backed off on the extra. I mean, I'd always throw it out there, but I kind of stopped. I don't want to say stalking kids. That sounds awful. But I stopped, you know, I stopped pressuring them. Like, come on, I need you. I need you. Which I did probably till about the middle of April. And then I was like, you know what? I think I am going to drive kids further into crisis. So I, you know, I stayed in touch with kids that I thought, you know, maybe or if somebody would, you know, message me about something. I was like, you know, tried to read between the lines. Like, are they looking for an opportunity to do something or are they just, really want the answer to that question and stop telling me you know like the bad shoe salesman like i really wanted white sneakers and you brought me you know pink cowboy boots just in case like sometimes you just want the white sneakers so
0: well, um so, so if i could not, not to play amateur therapist here yeah, for a moment yeah because on one hand you're you're worried that these kids that had used the library, my staff, the library itself, these extra events, and we could spend three hours on the stories you have around. Uh, I just remember you telling the story about a um, talent show that just had me in tears. <laughs> but yeah. you, know, you had seen, had actively constructed, had created an environment in that library for those kids as a uh, an escape, as a Good. refuge, as a place to be themselves, right? So a a, a positive environment. And yep. so suddenly, this thing switches, and you know your initial reaction is they still need this positive environment they still you know they're 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 clearly stressed, this is changing on them, et cetera, and so why can't I be that environment and then at some point, you sort of have to recognize that you're also looking for this for you mm-hmm. as a way of connecting that that connection to those students, the connection to that community is also something that you really value and that you're missing at this point. Is that a fair? fair
1: yeah because it was I I felt like uh, well I don't feel like I know what makes me tick is knowing that we're able I'm able to lead a program that gives kids a chance to connect to connect to an interest connect to an author connect to um you know an opportunity connect to a bigger idea something bigger than themselves and now I felt like all of a sudden I'm down to I'm just connecting them to the answer as opposed mm. to, you know, the the fish versus the how to fish. Like
0: right. you know,
1: a kid who's coming in ten times a day, they're not always just coming to get a book. They might be coming to do that and then they're coming for that and then they want to show me this and they and then it was just like you said, the the safe haven, the non-judgmental place in their life, the non um I don't know, non-evaluative, I guess, is more than judgmental. You know, it was a place that was kind of like a connected with um, choice. And, um, and there's amazing teachers in our building and amazing things going on. So it's certainly not making it sound like I was the only place for that. But, right. you know, whether it was on the stage or whether it was on the sports field or on the, you know, um, in the marching band or in the arts, you know, like we have so many amazing things in our district that that's what feeds kids. And, um, the class is just kind of like what I have to do to have those opportunities, <laughs> and um, you know, it was just breaking my heart that, like, oh my God, like, where's this one gonna go, and how about this one? And I wonder how he's doing, I wonder what she's doing and um, so, and I kept i almost even i think my husband said, "You're trying too hard, just let it go, you know, and I finally had to you know, I had to just give the fish when they needed it, not have you know uh, create opportunities for like let's plan for and I think because there were so many uncertainties about like is this going to be for two weeks is it going to be for a month is it going to be like how much effort do we get to reestablish something and then find out like it's not going to work anyway so um, I don't know it was it was a sad time I think and uh, I don't I don't think anybody would say anything different honestly it was I became well, function I became functional librarian instead yeah. of
0: well. It purpose. It's something I think missing from the conversation now as we talk about sending kids back and how back and right. It gets caught up quickly with um, not only I mean dismissing the the sort of who's going to watch my kid, which is an important question. I mean, absolutely yep. important question. I don't want to dismiss that. It becomes a very functional definition, right? My child can't learn as well in this modality. Um, yep. I need my child there, almost like in a, a better exchange, a better interface will occur if this happens. And yet, I think when I talk to school librarians, when I talk to teachers, um, they're missing—they're missing that uh, the passion above and beyond. It's the making a difference. It's connecting. It's—you know—it's hard to do it through Zoom, and it's hard to do it um, when the children are stressed. And and so all of this modality switched has made it look really functional we have a class it's on these days we deliver this curriculum um, it goes into this interface this is how the grading will work we will be in hybrid a's and b's and q's and c's and so Mm -hmm. right and and what's really going on is people mourning the loss of just being together um, or just you know inspiring and trying the things that don't come out of the textbook um And I think all too often we don't give enough room for that morning we don't give enough room for that 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 grief um that we feel anyway, so all right, then you get to go in the summer and you yep. get to to decompress a little bit and what's going on now?
1: yeah, so I would say we finished the I finished the school year with more of a acceptance of what was needed and what were the priorities for the good of the order, which didn't happen to align with my personal <laughs> priority for uh, library land, but I'm a team player. So I did what I had to do. I did take the summer and, um, a lot of decompressing, a lot of just kind of totally stepping away, half forced and half by choice. And, um, and so I thought, you know, again, the uncertainty of fall, what's that going to b- bring? And I thought, well, I at least know enough to, I can shore up a virtual environment. So we have that ready to go. And, I, you know, I did a lot of work in terms of things that I would normally do but probably put less emphasis on, very honestly, like, you know, making sure the catalog was more, you know, kid-friendly and making sure the website had more of this and blah, blah, blah. Things that normally that would be like a backup resource as opposed to the go-to place. Um, So I did do a lot of that. I did do a lot of, if we can't go back what are some things that um i feel like there's been a need for change in terms of we've gotten stuck you know and maybe this is a time and i almost have to tell myself that every day like this is an opportunity to get unstuck to rethink because we have to and um, I got to say, I don't think it was until, and I'm not just saying it because we're talking today, but I was almost going to cancel this conversation because I thought I am so, you know, gloomy right now that mm-hmm. I thought, who wants to hear that? You can go on Netflix and be sad, you know, like, <laughs> so it was just today where I felt like I had a few aha moments where I'm like that's that's a gap we could fill that's you know which I think I've always prided myself on is figuring out what gaps exist in a community or in a building and and trying to fill them and how can the library be a part of that solution Um, and I just had to shift my thinking to what the (laughs) get looking at different kinds of gaps you know whether it's it's in gaps with a human side to it, you know, that despite the need for, you know, a vibrant website and an accurate list of username and access to passwords and blah, 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 all important, all necessary for teachers to do their jobs and me to do the job and students to get what they need, but I'm also, like you said, walking around with colleagues who are hurting, you know, and who are sad and kids who are in crisis and you know, and not to focus on all the, the tough things, but that's the reality. And the reality is it's it's tough times for families and employees. And, and what can we do to alleviate those tough times? And whether it's infrastructure or whether it's conversation or whether it's coloring sheets, you know, like within all the guidelines, of course. But um, <laughs> what is it that we can do that? maybe people didn't think of libraries doing or me to do you know and um maybe instead of i want to make sure that you know oh you know this class is getting ready to do this novel i've got to be there i got to provide resources but maybe stepping back and saying what is it that would be helpful for that teacher or that team to have without them also having to coordinate with me and my time and my presence and even just the logistics of an extra adult into each room. Um, So it's just a different kind of customer service I'm thinking of it as is like, okay, maybe I'm not going to, this is how I'm thinking of it. I don't go to Marshall's as often or for a while I didn't go at all, but I may wanna have some part of that Marshall experience. So what can I do differently? What can I do instead? Like, how can I still, experience a little bit of that without having to you know lament the fact that you know marshall's was closed for three months you know and um like and with the focus on and this sounds really corny but with the focus on things that are going to lift people's spirits Mm -hmm. a little bit and things that are going to you know add a little sunshine
0: sorry (laughs) no we could all all use it we could all use it. Um, so, once again, tapping into sort of the larger network here. When I'm thinking of, of your comment about when the, the, once again, jumping back to when you were redoing the building and they were in these different areas and you didn't have to make an argument for the importance of libraries, you know, well, you don't have a room anymore, we don't need a librarian. We don't have a, yeah. you know, you, yeah. right? Because you built up a relationship, you would built up trust. Are you seeing those same conversations going on now? Do we still need a librarian when we're all virtual or when we're virtual a couple of days or we can't physically go into the space because it will screw up our pod system? I mean, yeah. what are you seeing? How are school libraries coping with with this?
1: Oh my God, it's it's such a range and such a sad, sad range. I mean, I'm very, uh, on one hand, I'd like to say I'm very lucky. I'm lucky that I work with, um, administrators and leaders who see the value and know that things can still be quality programs despite the the physical look of things. Um, so, I've been trusted to do my job differently and it's not been questioned about, you know, how many hours of my day am I going to be in front of a class and so on. Um, I also think that is part of building a relationship over time where I am viewed that way that I'm not viewed as a person who's going to need to be told what to do or where to do it. Um so I'm I'm grateful in that um sense and it's just another reminder of if I haven't figured it out yet, I need to keep figuring it out because if all of a sudden I'm And i've never been like this anyways but if all of a sudden i'm just sitting in the library saying how come nobody came today (laughs) nobody came today either like well duh like you got to do some marketing and you got to do some you know different kind of outreach and different kind of whatever i mean it's got to be done different for obvious reasons but i also know just within our district there are um we currently have two of our elementary schools who have been vacated for major renovations so they are in alternative locations right now as well. Um, so they had a library space and then it became um, a classroom space and um, so our even the four elementary librarians in our district are all deploying their programs in different ways based on the good of the school. Nobody has been removed from their position, nobody's been asked to do um, I mean, they're all doing things differently, um, but I think it's based on the community needs and where is it the best fit. Um, but I also see all the time somebody was a middle school librarian and now is teaching fifth grade because, and I I, I don't know where I know districts have tough financial decisions to make and. Um, Short-sighted decisions I see being made all the time, Um, people being deployed. Well, you're going to teach one of my colleagues locally, middle school librarian, and all of a sudden she's got two periods where she teaches health, one period, you know, based on her previous certifications. So there's everything from, you know, people being let go, furloughed, you know, we don't need you right now, to Um, people being trusted to deliver a program in a different way and really a lot somewhere in the middle. And, um, you know, there were some crazy conversations in the middle of this where there were, you know, people of, you know, power saying that the, the librarian is one job that can't be done without a bricks and mortar environment. You know, like that's one of the many, you know, one of the couple jobs. So that was a big, big, I, I don't even call it an aha moment because it certainly wasn't an aha moment for us, but you know, I think my colleagues who were in this area where we really needed to rally or as a state we needed to rally was to say, okay, if that's the perception, not only do we need to counteract that, but we need to walk the talk. And if you've got professionals out there saying, I don't even know what to do, my principal hasn't told me um, because somebody's using the library, that to me just screams, you just prove the point. Like, all of a sudden you don't have a space and you're saying you need to be told what to do. You know, um, up to people who are like, okay, I talked to my colleague today at one of our elementary schools. She said, uh, the physical space is taken over by classes. She goes, she said, I'm doing everything in reverse. So she's going to classes, she's going to, um, you know, common areas, she's going to where she can go within all the guidelines, of course, but, like she didn't skip a beat. She's like, well, that's what I have to do. Like I I could sit here for three days or three weeks and say, what am I going to do? There's people in my space. Like at some point it's just a space, you know, like figure it out some way out. So, you know, she's like, I don't know, she's got a thousand different crazy arrangements that she's doing, but she knows the value of making this work for kids, you know, and of course teachers too, but especially for kids. So, um, you know, and I'm seeing it all over where, you know, librarians are doing curbside pickup and doing this and doing deliveries and doing, you know, library on the lawn. And um, they're really doing everything from the 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 fish to the how to fish. You know, like, yes, kids want books, teachers want books, but also people need technology help and they need, um, you know, instructional tech help and they need how do I make this work um, for this environment kind of help. So, um it's it's just such a scary range of um make it work down to thanks for your time you know and mm. everything in between and i do believe 100% there's people that it's it's just a darn shame for lack of a better word uh that on the bottom end of they're being asked you know or let go or you know we don't you don't have tenure fill in the blank there but there's also a lot of public uh conversations that I see librarians have that to me are part of the problem, and that worries mm-hmm. me you know that the victim thing of well, how could I possibly do this if you know if I can't do this you know and it's there's just as much people doing everything they can do to continue adding you know be a value added program, not a value added person um And then there's some who just have not figured that out yet. And it's, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to end well. If I, cause somebody said, well, have you talked to your principal? Have you talked to your principal? I talk to the principal all the time over the summer, but I don't need to every day say, what do you think is going to happen with the library? I need to be part of the bigger picture conversation and get a kind of put two and two together and say, Hmm, seems like this is going to be an issue. That's going to be an issue. It seems like this will go, this won't like, and then I use my leadership to say like, this is where I can do. This is what I can't do. And I never once asked her, like, what can I do with the library? Like, you know, I I did ask for a specific guidelines on, I don't know, like books or no, you know, like the whole um, quarantine and
0: contacts and yeah, yeah,
1: like. But I was informed enough to say this is what I believe to be true. You know, like, do you agree? Not. A, I mean, I wasn't waiting to be told. And um, I mean, at any time, I suppose tomorrow she could come in and say, you know, we need you to teach phys ed. I don't know. I no, <laughs> she wouldn't. I'm not that athletic. But, um, but there's just so much that leadership comes into these difficult times. And especially, you know, I see people all the time saying, I have to have my principal or fill in the blank. I'm picking on principals. But my administrator, whoever wants a list of all the jobs I do during the day, you know, and then there'll be like a 40 comment conversation about, well, that usually means you're getting laid off. That usually means, that usually means it's like, well, why is nobody offering this person? Like you need, you always need to be conscious of accountability for your time. What are right. you spending your time with? You know, like that, that shouldn't be, a, it. that shouldn't be a new concept. Like explaining what you do during the day for when somebody asks. to me that that shouldn't be pandemic time. That should be like at all times. If somebody says, what do you do during the day? You there should be enough evidence out there of your impact that they don't have to ask if they're asking to me that a short sighted administrator or b short sighted librarian. And when you get those two in the same sentence, it's not going to it's not going to go well, you know, and uh, it's hard because I I've, I've seen people who are victims of a short sighted decision making that didn't fall into that category, but the combination platter is frightening to me, so.
0: All right, so Sue, I'm looking at the time. You've been extremely generous, and I have one last question to ask you. Yep. What happened to Miss Lindsay?
1: Oh, Lindy, L-I-N-D-Y. Lindy, pardon So, and I got to tell you, when I named her, you know, I said Lindy is a brand name of RVs, in case you didn't know that, L-I-N-D-Y. And um, when we bought her, It said Lindy on the side. So jokingly, I said to the man who owned her, I said, So is this her? Is this what you called her? And seriously, with tears in his eyes, he said, Ma'am, she was so good to us for so many years. We called her Miss Lindy out of respect. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So, Miss Lindy, M-I-S, yeah. So, Miss Lindy, and we kept it with a capital L. So, we kept uh, because it was mine and my insurance and my expenses, I was able to put the bookmobile sign up and take the bookmobile sign off when we used it for camping and whatnot. And um, so, there was no crossover of, you know, I'm sitting at a campfire and then also. I always had books in there. I always kept books in there just in case. But it was definitely a personal um uh purchase. But um we kept her for a few years and then she needed much TLC that we decided um probably wasn't worth the investment and I had a friend who is a book salesman <laughs> who was looking for something that would, you know, do just that and be a local Kind of a backyard uh, opportunity for his kids if they were camping, but not really. And um, I think and my husband knew him, and he said, "I'll tell you what, I'll fill it up with gas if you just take it."
0: <laughs> so, so, so you know, really, Miss Lindy is now living in a farm upstate. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's and, and it's I'm kind farm of farm.
1: it's kind of like when they get rid of the dogs that you know when you're little yeah. and your parents don't really tell you. So yeah. he called the guy who we gave it to and said. I got to tell you something about Miss Lindy. And I said, I don't want to know. I just know <laughs> she's she's had a good life. So every once in a while, people will send me pictures of sightings that they feel that they've seen her somewhere. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I really terrible. don't know where she is. I know where we, we passed, you know, we shared her with a good family and um, I'm going to assume she's in a beautiful field and happy as a clam right now. So
0: I love it. Well, yeah. Boo, thank you for bringing some sunshine into in, into this conversation. It was very, very much appreciated. And- Such a pleasure.
1: Such a pleasure. And actually just saying it out loud is is good. And on a side note, I want to tell you, I nominated one of my summer things was I nominated my a library assistant, who is just just spot on in every category, for a award. And I just got the email before we got on that she, she received said award. So she's going to be a central new york library staff all-star or something like that so
0: well and and, uh, you know the the awards keep coming esm i mean your program won the asl program of the year several years ago and recognition and success breeds success anyway thank you very much we'll talk to you soon your
1: voice okay thanks dave